Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over everything racing. Joining me in the studio, Mr. Gray Warren, Seth Eggert, Richard Uden, and Christopher DeHarty. Fellas, how we doing tonight? Doing good. Good, thank you. All right, so we had a bit of a slow news uh, for open wheel. Uh, both IndyCar and Formula One off, although there is a lot of off-the-track news, which we'll get to. NASCAR had the Xfinity cars at Mid-Ohio, where Austin Cindric took his second win in a row. And evidently, Kevin Harvick won at Michigan. So uh, let's let's talk about this uh, Let's talk about this Michigan race. Uh, Seth, Gray, whichever you guys would like to chime on in. It was Harvick's day at the end. It came down to fuel mileage. Joey Logano was leading. Blaney was up front. And then about... 10, 15 laps into the last run of the race, crew chief started keying up, save fuel, save fuel, you have to save fuel. Meanwhile, Harvick's crew chief keyed up, you're one to two laps to the good. Uh, Harvick cruised the victory, Logano ran, or had to stop for fuel, Keselowski had to stop for fuel, Eric Jones, Matthew Mendetto, Corey LaJoy, Michael McDowell, Kurt Busch, and Ryan Blaney all ran out on the final lap. Uh, Jumbled up the order a little bit. We end up having Hamlin uh, finishing second, Larson finishing third, uh, Truex in his 500 start finishing fourth. Uh, several drivers who were outside the top 10 when people started running out of fuel end up in the top 10, including Kyle Busch, Ryan Priest, William Byron, and Chase Elliott. Uh, Kyle Busch, for the most part, was out to lunch the entire race. At least half of the Toyotas were. Truex uh, started from the back after. Uh, failing pre-race tech, and 14 laps in, he was running 15th. Meanwhile, his teammates are complaining that it's impossible to pass. So, seems like half the team has it figured out, and half the team doesn't. Yeah, Hamlin, Hamlin ran well, too, and Harvick, Harvick ran well in the first part of the race and then had a right front tire issue and went to uh, had to go to pit road, and it took him a while to kind of recirculate back to the front but uh he had a fast car uh pretty much all day uh truex truex looked like at one point that uh 
you know, he had the strongest car in the field, and so did Keselowski at times. And it just as as the race changed and 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 their track position changed, um, you know, they kind of fell back in, uh, in in the clutches of uh, the rest of the field and couldn't make any uh, any progress to the front. And that's the thing about um, about uh, Michigan. You kind of once you get uh, track position is so important there because once you get you know, shuffle back a little bit, you, you just sort of run in station the whole time. I mean, the cars run such similar speeds uh, that it, it's hard to make ground there uh, a lot of times. Th- that, but they also put the uh, PJ1 track bike uh, yep. compound down. Mm-hmm. At first, in the first uh, uh, upper 40 feet, of the track and that was for practice day in the truck race and then after hearing the feedback from the teams they went and reapplied it about two to three feet lower so it ended up being about the top 42 43 feet and it did improve the racing to a degree granted there's still a long ways to go it's a combination of package the track and the games that the teams are playing let's be honest which some of which we'll get to about qualifying with the RCR. That being said, the racing overall, Michigan 2 versus Michigan 1 for this season, Michigan 2 was much better. Yeah, I agree. It was it was a lot better race than, than the first race. It surely was. A little bit more competitive, uh, uh, particularly up front. And then and after restarts, it was it was highly competitive until the things kind of sorted out a little bit and then you had typical you know the, the the cream would rise to the top and the guys would kind of take off and and, and put some distance between uh, themselves and the rest of the field but I mean still I don't think nobody you know nobody ran away with it to, to a degree exactly which is somewhat unusual for Michigan although mm-hmm. it's usual for this year uh but it's unusual for Michigan. I remember races in which the leader would be out to lunch five laps in. I think it was maybe 2014 when uh, in qualifying, Jeff Gordon put down a 206 mile per hour lap. And that was, it's like I said, in qualifying granted with this package there, I think they were doing 187, 188 in qualifying, but it's just a, uh, insane difference because at the high speeds that they had in 2014 they were going it was almost like they were going too fast to be able to do anything where now the aero package is more there's too much momentum to do anything yeah it causes them to lift a little bit now back in in those days they were pretty much flat putting it all the way around the racetrack they still stay in the throttle a lot but they do have to lift and that's that's where it changes the, the complexion of the race. We are getting close to chase bubble time, um, you know, and then the cutoffs coming. We've got a couple guys that are in trouble, Jimmy Johnson in particular, and then we've got a couple guys who have done some good work for their cause, like uh, Daniel Suarez. So uh, are we going to see – you feel like this uh be the first time Jimmy Johnson will not make the chase since the new format? Yeah, I believe so. I believe he's uh, – unless, unless a miracle happens – at Bristol here, I don't think uh, I don't think we're going to see uh, see the 48 make the chase this year. Oh, I think it depends on whether or not Clint Boyer and his team can get out of their own way. Uh, the main reason why I'm saying that is the incident that took Boyer out at Michigan. Uh, 
he ended up getting turned by his teammate Daniel Suarez, which probably leads to an awkward conversation at the shop here uh, Monday or Tuesday. But that being said, if Boyer can get his act together or Suarez can get his act together, uh, Johnson wouldn't be able to get in. They're only separated by somewhere around 6 to 12 points each. So it depends on those three drivers. Newman padded his gap over them to about 22 points this past weekend. So he's a little bit safer. Otherwise, unless we get a surprise winner from, say, Paul Menard or Chris Buescher, Johnson has a chance, but he needs a little bit of help. Yeah, Yeah, he does. What's left for the uh, cutoff? Three. Right. And they're Bristol, Darlington, and... Indy. Richmond? Indy. Indy, yeah. So, yeah, that'll all be interesting to see how it plays out. It seems odd we'd have a chase without a Jimmy Johnson, but, gosh, the guy's been out to lunch all year, you know, and, and most of last year he had a couple of Yeah, and most of last year, yeah. He had one, is the, you know, one spot of brilliance I can think of last year was at the Charlotte Road Course, but that was, uh, you know, that was after the, the chase cutoff. So, uh, so Gray, what do you feel like is going on at that team there? I know we've, we've switched crew chiefs, you know, we've broken up Jimmy and Chad and we've, uh, we've got different folks in there, but still, uh, I mean, has Jimmy just lost competitive spark or is it, or is it more team related? Because I, I see, uh, you know, I don't see a lot of, you know, Jimmy like phoning it in, honestly, I, I, I believe he's still yeah, racing hard. I don't, well, you know, they've, they've, they've made a crew chief change recently as well, trying to trying to spark that team. It's, it's kind of hard to hard to put your finger on. I, Jimmy, I still think, is a very capable race car driver. I don't think that – I think there's been problems within the uh, within the organization. Uh, uh, of course, you know, the, the, the problems with Chevrolet uh, the last couple of years have been well documented. And they, uh, Chevrolet has been less than spectacular uh, with their effort the last uh, last couple of years. I think that's part of it. Uh, I think too that uh, you know Jimmy has become the, the sort of the elder statesman over there at Hendrick, and with a, which a, with a pretty much a new crop, young crop of uh, of drivers over there. Uh, not a lot of experience uh, for that team to lean on uh, like they've had in the past. You know, with with Junior and Jeff Gordon and some of the other folks that, you know, uh, in, in that stable, too. And I think it was inevitable that uh, that Knauss and, and Jimmy would uh, would break up after success. I think that things kind of got stale a little bit. I think uh, Jimmy's probably still searching to get that right, uh, you know, situation where he, where his feedback is, 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 you know, they're being able to act on his feedback right now. So, um, I, I don't think Jimmy's done in, in that respect. Obviously, you would you would think that someone has had the success he's had over the years would be, you know, a little less hungry than than uh, uh, than he would be early on. But I still think he he's got a competitive spirit, and uh, I don't think he likes being in the situation that he's at. Like I said, I I, I just you know he's had some you know uncharacteristic errors this year. Uh, and some bad luck, and you know you could say it's the law of averages uh, to a degree because for a long time, you know Jimmy had incredible luck, and that's part of it. You know you make to a degree you make your own luck, but now he's having some things, some gremlins bite him that you know things that he didn't have uh, 
during that stretch where he was dominating the sport? Honestly, I think it's a little bit more also with the aero package. And the reason why I'm saying that is drivers that grew up or racing dirt before they reached, say, ASA or what's now uh, super late models, K&N, etc. They're the ones who seem to be struggling the most. Larson, Johnson, uh, even Ryan Newman, even though he didn't race a lot of dirt. And the ones that came up through go-karting, say Chase Elliott, William Byron, uh, Kyle Busch, they're all excelling. So it's almost like the aero package or the, the gradual change in aero package over the recent three, four, five years has kind of moved it away from the driving style of a Jimmy Johnson or a Kyle Larson and to a driving style of, say, a Kevin Harvick or a Kyle Busch. Yeah, it could be. I mean, that that's, that's all valid points, and, and things do change, and things have changed for sure, and that might be part of the equation uh, as well. But and, and I think, too, that as much as the drivers adapting to the, these new packages, the teams and the engineering staffs as well at these at their respective teams having to adapt, and, and some catch, some are catching on and, uh, faster than others too. Now, guys, we've got uh, a lot of silly season uh, rumors are starting to crop up. Some have credibility, others are a little bit a little bit out of left field. But uh, you know, we we've seen things out of left field that we never thought would come true actually come to fruition. So, uh, Seth, you've been uh, pounding the beat a little bit. Uh, you've uh, you've heard a few things here and there that may or may not happen next year. Yes, I have. Uh, in the next couple weeks. Uh, Per sources, uh, David Reagan could be an- announcing his retirement from the series, uh, and it appears that Matthew Bandel, despite his success in the Levine family racing car, will likely not return to the team and be replaced by either Eric Jones or Christopher Bell. Which is interesting because Benedetto made some comments recently that I'm I'm driving for my life or I'm driving for my ride, so. Uh... It, it seemed like uh, uh, this was like two weeks ago, and it seemed like maybe he knows the writings on the wall. You know, there's uh, there's guys out there that they would like to see in a in a top tier Toyota, and and maybe he's not one of them. Well, let me word it this way: some silly season rumors have been going around this year that had question marks on them. Uh, now either have periods or exclamation marks on them. Ah, oh, so it's a punctuation deal, huh? I got you. Yeah, but you know, I'll tell you something. De Benedetto has has has, I mean, he's represented himself well in that '95 car, and obviously we all know what's going on there. That's that's Joe Gibbs and Toyota Toyota money and and the Alliance program that's stepping in there and wanting to uh, bring a kid they've got in their pipeline. They're going to have to move him up, or they're going to have to let him go. And obviously, when you talk about talent like Christopher Bell, uh, you, you don't want to you don't want to let him go until obviously Toyota doesn't wants to keep him in the fold. De Benedetto is just kind of just like odd man out. But I think one thing that he's done, I mean, if, if anything, this this year, if he's going to be out of the 95, he's certainly done well auditioning for other rides. And I'm sure that there's other car owners that uh, that would have an eye on him. Uh, and, and, and put 
be willing to put him in a Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Car over some of the other people that, uh, obviously, for, for lack of a better word, have just not not performed well uh, this year. Another one too is Chris Busher has performed well in in uh, th- this year too. He's done, I think, he's done uh, a great job. So he'd be another one that uh, I think uh, corners would have to give a serious look at uh, if they're thinking about making uh, changes in their current lineups. And speaking of changes uh, in current lineups, there's also rumors about Daniel Hemrick's uh, future at RCR, Brian Priest at JTG Doherty, and there's also another rumor of a new team, uh, what is the IK9 essentially owned team, uh, Extreme Concepts Inc., uh, the number 81 car that Jeffrey Earnhardt drove back at Talladega, Supposedly, they might also be going full-time next year, which, if they do, that leads to another question uh, with Toyota having six cars. Is that a possible landing spot for, say, a Bandetto, or even a landing spot for, say, uh, Tyler Reddick, who is all but ready to move up, and Richard Childress has even said he's going to be in Cup next year. It's a matter of whether or not he's able to keep him. Yeah. So, and, and two, it's all it's all performance driven, and and these things, you know, always start up the last last uh, quarter of the season, and, and and they really get hot and 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 start getting gaining some traction as the closer we get to uh, to the chase. Now, speaking of which, we've got uh, Bristol next up on the calendar, and we we talked about guys desperately needing a win. You know, Jimmy Johnson, one of them. He's from well at Bristol. Um, so, uh, Seth, uh, the last couple Bristol races have been kind of eh, uh, you know, and, and the crowds have been even less, uh, and there's even even some talk that uh, Bristol may go down to just one race uh, coming up soon, um, uh, the, the schedule year after next. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Bristol, uh, what we might see there, um, what, what to expect, and... Uh, and just what we're doing there. Well, the traction compound will be put back down again. And something that started this year uh, with the traction compound is that NASCAR has actually gotten involved in this in trying to be a mediator at, between Goodyear, the teams, and the track as to where it's being put down, how many codes, and uh, other aspects of it. Because when it first made its debut back in 2016, it was purely just SMI putting it down. 
and it caused problems because it, they put too much of it down and it was too slick. Then in 2017 and 2018, they put it down, except they didn't put enough down and it wore out too quickly. Uh, Bristol earlier this year, and I don't even go back to New Hampshire last year, uh, were the beginning of the success with the traction compound of it lasting through the entire race and actually improving the racing. Uh, that being said, you're going to have the Canaan Pro Series and the Truck Series on Thursday night, the Xfinity Series on Friday, and the Cup Series on Saturday. Uh, so just about every series is in action. Uh, you're going to have some new phases and new places in the Truck Series. Uh, you have Landon Huffman in the number 24 change. You have some of the part-time drivers like Jesse Little uh, making an appearance. In the Canon Pro Series, you have Haley Deegan leaving her regular team, uh, Bill McNally Racing, and hopping over to David Gillen's team, which is an uh, interesting note for the future. Uh, McNally doesn't have a truck team where David Gillen does. And on top of that, we have the first race of the playoffs for the truck series. Uh, their regular season finale was at Michigan, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. Xfinity series, we have Eric Jones in the 81 that Jeffrey Earnhardt was scheduled to be in originally, but uh, he and sponsor IK9 parted ways. Uh, depending on who you believe, he was either left, asked to leave, or pushed out the door. Depending on who you want to believe. Depending on who you want to believe, exactly, yeah. So, But but either way, at the end of the day, Jeffrey Earnhardt is looking for work. Correct. Although, I will say, like Matthew Bandetto, he shined in the Gibbs uh, number 18 uh, Xfinity car, got his first career top five, uh, came close to winning a stage at Atlanta, and he ran very, very well when he was in the car. Yeah, so there's, I mean, he's got that to kind of hang his hang his hat on and take that, uh, you know, on his next job interview. So, but uh, but just getting back to Bristol now, Gray, um, you know, you you and I have been watching Bristol for years and years and years, and, and you've been watching longer than me. And it, Bristol was always the, uh, the the you know the best one of the best races of the year. It was always the hottest ticket in the world. Um, and lately, last several years, and we've talked about this before. It's, you know, the racing has become processional. Uh, I mean, the past race uh, earlier this year uh, was a bit improved, uh, but but the crowds have just gone away in droves. And, you know, we had talked about, you know, well, Bristol has 180,000 seats, so even if they have a, a sm- you know, a smaller crowd, it's still a lot of empty seats. But the, the last couple crowds have been absolutely pathetic, um, you know, even, you know, for, you know, for, you didn't even account for the amount of seats there. There's very few people there. So is, is is the magic just gone at Bristol? Can they can, can they bring this thing back? I think the the night race, the August night race, will be will be much better attended than the spring race will be. It just just seeing the cars race under the lights brings them out, and that race is sort of a one of the the Bristol night race is one of the marquee events. Uh, on the schedule, and uh, I think we'll see a lot better crowd there. That is just more of an electric type feeling of that. So I think you know we won't see the crowds that we saw 10, 12 years ago, obviously, but I think we'll see a much, much better uh, crowd than we saw there in the, than spring. Yeah, Bristol, they they 
has changed a little bit the, the type of racing. It's harder to pass uh, than, it, than it's ever been. Uh, the spring race was some some better than it has been. Uh, we'll see what happens with this uh, with this new package when they go there. Uh, this time, I still look for the usual suspects. Uh, you know that, that usually run up front to uh, to be good. The, both of the Bush brothers. Uh, I think we'll see them run good. Another guy that runs particularly well up there, Ricky Stenhouse, runs good. I think he could be a dark horse there. He seems to like that track. Kyle Larson is due there. He's had some good runs there and has nothing to show for it. Uh, Boyer, again, he could turn his season around there as well. He, run, he runs that track uh, pretty pretty well. But uh, We'll see what happens. We could have one of the young guns show up. Another, another one, uh, Blaney's had, had success there in, uh, in the trucks and in the Xfinity cars. Uh, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's been fast there and, and dominated a couple of races and still has nothing to show for it. He could be good. Logano's tough there too. So we'll see what, we'll see what comes, comes out of it. I don't, I really don't expect any surprise winner to come out of, come out of Bristol, but hopefully we'll see a, a good race and, and, and a spirited race and, and a good crowd there on Saturday night. Certainly. Now, and, and as to the, the rumors and the stories that Bristol's going to lose a date in the future, Seth, you know anything on that, or is it just, is it just pure speculation? Well, it's all dependent on what goes on at uh, the Nashville, Nashville Fairground Speedway. And the reason why is that track is – owned by the city of Nashville, operated by the Formosa family, which SMI is trying to essentially either win the bid or try to buy them out or form some sort of partnership to bring at least something back to that track. Uh, Ultimately, the goal would be the Cup Series from what I've been told, but the thing is that track needs a lot of upgrades, and although... Things seem to be moving forward in some aspects. Every now and then a story comes out from, uh, say, the Tennessean uh, that the, someone on the city council is either reneging or uh, flip-flopping on whether or not racing is a good idea there because it's too loud for the neighbors or because they're bringing in a soccer stadium, there's not going to be enough parking or this or that, which a lot of those reasons happened after the track has been there for about 50 years. So maybe this is time for a PSA. If you don't want to be next to a loud racetrack, don't move next to one. Oh, Seth, the, the amount of race courses that have, uh, gone away because of local noise complaints is, is long and varied and it goes all the way back to gosh places like Bridgehampton so but now this is the Nashville Fairgrounds yeah. Speedway this yeah. is this is not the Nashville Super Speedway that was that's in Lebanon that that's is, currently a car park yeah yeah I was going to say that's you would think that track is probably better suited to handle cup you know to be upgraded except, than, than the Fairgrounds Speedway except it's uh, it quote in the middle of nowhere with the little infrastructure to handle the size of a cup crowd. Yeah, it's uh, I've I've, ra- I've raced there on several occasions with the Xfinity cars, and it is it's kind of in the middle of nowhere and not a lot. Uh, nice track, nice facility. It's just 
just in the middle of nowhere and does is not really set up to uh you know i think when they built that thing they built it with you know just kind of putting their finger up in the wind to see how things would go with well, it. So they didn't put a lot of uh you know didn't have a lot of stands there and they, hopefully they were hoping it would you know kind of the the, well, event would, the track would grow into the event if you will well, yeah, you know, they, they hosted the IndyCars uh, for it, a while, and it, they would they would consistently sell it out for the IndyCars. And this is you're talking 2003, 2004, 2005. They they would sell it out. And I guess that tell you how few seats they really had. But um, mm-hmm. but I always thought it was a pretty nice place. Well, yeah, it, it was, was it was built by Dover Motorsports, and ultimately the reason why it shuttered uh, one year. They lobbied for a cup race there. It was the same year that Kentucky gained their cup race. And when they were denied a cup race, the next year it closed its doors. The same time Dover Motorsports closed their other tracks, Gateway Motorsports Park and Memphis uh, Motorsports Park, uh, both of which have been bought by other uh, companies that are bringing racing back to those facilities. And they've sold Nashville, I believe it was to Nissan, who now operates it as a overflow car park. Right. Now, the um, <coughs> Gateway Gateway is actually one of the tracks that's being mentioned as possibly getting a getting a cup date in the future. Right? And they, I don't know how far they, along those talks are, but uh, evidently they're, they're, there's some, some talk there that maybe the, they'll get the cups in St. Louis there. They would more than likely be taking a race from Michigan if that were to happen. Right, right. Okay, so like I said, a lot of speculation was going on. But you let's, know, and, uh, and you look back at the, the, the fairgrounds deal, when, when NASCAR last raced there, the Cup Series last race, it was a completely different era. I mean, you would have to make substantial uh, gains uh, improvements in the pit area uh, to handle the equipment and and it's just size the sheer size of the circus that travels with the with the Cup Series now just to be able to handle it. Back in the days when Cup used to run there, this it was a completely different era and, and there was not as much equipment involved in going going and running these races as there is today. So I I, I really think that, you know, when they throw these things around, throw these numbers around, I tell you, I think that's when it gets scary for these investors to look at what it actually what it would take to upgrade a facility to handle a cup race. Certainly. And then you've got to factor in. I'm sure the series would be happy to see a safer barrier installed as well as, the, you know, they might have to upgrade. Uh, make sure they have proper catch fencing in place. All the, all that's a major expense, but it's going to be something that's that, that the series is going to want. Oh yeah, and and and, and that's got to be done before you can even uh, even hope to entertain, uh, you know, a, a cup event. So, uh, you know, I I think it's nice to talk about and like, but when it when it comes down to push to shove and people having to start signing the signing checks, that becomes a whole different. Uh, different ball game absolutely so speaking of a whole different ball game the xfinity guys were down in mid-ohio which is uh one of my favorite tracks and um the xfinity guys usually put on quite a good show there um and here we have uh 
young Austin Sendrick going back-to-back two-in-a-row, two-road course wins. So, uh, Seth, uh, Gray, you guys get a chance to see that one? Care to comment? Yes, I did. Uh, it's just the sixth time in the history of the Xfinity Series that a driver scored their first two wins back-to-back. Uh, the last two times that happened, William Byron went on to win the championship, and Chase Elliott went on to win the championship. Whether that bodes well for Austin Sendrick, we, uh, time will tell. Uh, that being said, he dominated the race. Christopher Bell was up front as well. Jack Hawksworth in the number 18 car. He was running well until the pit crew uh, let him down on the final restart, or, well, final pit stop. He came in fifth, left 25th. Mm. Uh, I thought it was a great race. I thought it was really entertaining. Uh, they they did. They put on a good show in uh, – uh, up there, and that's that's a great track for uh, for the Xfinity cars. Uh, we also had some hurt or bruised feelings in the back of the field. Uh, some of the I, I don't want to say back markers, but underfunded teams. Uh, at least a handful of drivers were going at each other. Uh, Josh Williams and Brandon Brown, who the two of them are typically some of the most level-headed drivers in the field. Uh, we're going after each other, which was unusual to say the least. Uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about Cedric for a second. Now, here, here's another guy who's going to have cup aspirations or has cup aspirations. He, he probably needs at least another year in Xfinity, uh, I would imagine. But uh, here's a guy who's tied heavily to Penske. I mean, his father, Tim, is the president of Penske, so, uh, and, and if you look at, you know, Penske's pretty pretty well set on cup drivers right now, uh, between the guys they got, but, um, I mean, any any talk or rumblings about him getting a cup start here or there anytime soon, or is that just all, just kind of maybe too early to, to speculate? I would say too early. Uh, I have heard a little bit about maybe in a year or two, uh, over at Wood Brothers Racing, replacing Paul Menard. But I've also heard uh, some stuff about maybe Brandon Jones, who currently drives for Gibbs and has Menard's sponsorship, uh, doing that same exact thing. Hmm, interesting. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I mean, the best thing Austin Cinder can do for his career is continue to win races, So, uh, which he's uh, really done well the past couple weeks. He's always been strong on these road courses uh i mean he's not he's not bad on ovals for sure he's had a couple of close ones there but uh he's really coming into his own that he is and like you said he excels on road courses uh last year he had mid-ohio road america and the roval all locked up until i believe at mid-ohio he cut a tire at road america his engine failed and at road america at a sorry the roval he spun on the infield portion of the uh road course on the final lap of the second stage yes yes he did so well we'll just have to see how his career progresses uh, again you know tim's a tim's a good friend of mine so i've been kind of really interested in austin's career and i'm just very pleased to see him doing well and I wish him all the, the best of luck in the future and many more wins. So uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and make some picks for Bristol because I want to get into talking about some IndyCar news and some Formula 1 news. So, uh, Gray, who do you like for Bristol? Oh, I'm going to go Kyle Busch. He's been on a little bit of a, a 
down slide here the last couple of uh, months. I think uh, I think he'll rebound and uh, pick up the win. All, all right, then. Christopher, you've been quiet, so uh, you care to make a pick for Michigan? Or for um, Bristol, rather? Yeah, for Michigan, I'll take Kevin Harvick. For uh, Bristol, okay. I will take um, <laughs> I'll take uh, Keselowski. <laughs> and Richard, who do you like for Bristol? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go Joe Logano. Okay, and uh, that that leaves me to go with Kurt Busch. Why not? So Seth, who do you like for Bristol? And then I know before we move on. The, the trucks had their uh, their regular season finale in Michigan, so give us your pick and then a brief report from uh, the truck race. Uh, let's see. For Bristol, I'll go with Chase Elliott. Uh, real quick for the trucks at Michigan, uh, Austin Hill won the regular season finale. Grant Enfinger locked up the regular season championship, gaining 15 playoff points. It was a win-or-you're-in situation for numerous drivers, for the first time, we will have a playoff without a KBM, Kyle Busch Motorsports driver, involved. And some of the drivers who were on a win or or a win-to-get-in situation were all wiped out on a late-race restart with four laps to go. A late-race restart that also took all three of the David Gilliland trucks in the accident. Ay, ay, ay. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, the truck playoff begins uh, there in in Bristol, right? All right. So we'll uh, we'll have to pay close attention to that. And uh, so, Christopher, IndyCar, the uh, the on-again, off-again saga of uh, what McLaren wants to do, uh, they finally, after a couple of weeks of rumors, uh, announced for sure that they are buying into Schmidt-Peterson Racing. Uh, the new name of the team is Arrow McLaren Racing SP. So they've actually put Schmidt and Peterson all the way <laughs> after the word racing. Um, it raises a lot of questions. Of, I mean, how much of a stake in the team do they own? They're saying that, uh, you know, both uh, Rick Peterson and Sam Schmidt will continue in their roles. Um, and their roles right now are team owner. So, uh but McLaren's obviously going to have a lot of influence, but they're leaning on Sam and Rick for what they say driver decisions. Uh, James Hinchcliffe, who's heavily tethered to ta- Honda, uh, who's a spokesman for Honda of Canada and does all the uh, North American Honda commercials, has kind of uh, said on his social media that he's looking forward to continuing with uh, McLaren and General Motors. Uh, now, James is a race geek like the rest of us so he's pretty torn i mean he's i mean driving for mclaren is like a dream come true for a kid that grew up watching racing particularly uh with his you know at his age mclaren was in their heyday so that's a a good thing but but yet han has been so good to him uh and he's got one year left on his contract and schmidt says they're going to honor the contract uh but no official word on driver lineup uh uh, they keep saying there's, you know, rumor mill they would like Colton Herta, Colton Herta, who's heavily tethered to Andretti. Andretti evidently has a contract with Herta that lasts three years. That means if he if he leaves Harding, Andretti has first shot at him uh, before he goes anywhere else. So, Chris, uh, let, let's talk about this um, Chevrolet McLaren Schmidt Peterson deal that's going on. Well, we thought I thought silly season was over. Um 
Rossi resigned with Penske. I mean, with Andretti, and um, well, he's still with Penske in the sports car, so it's partly accurate. But um, his silly season just went wide open again with this McLaren uh, move. Now Hinchcliffe, we we can't forget, actually was a General Motors driver with uh, Chevrolet when Andretti Autosport went to Chevrolet when the um, in, engine the IndyCar engine wars started in 2012. Uh, he stayed with Andretti Autosport 2012, 13, and 14. Um, but I think in 2014, they went to Honda at that point. Um, so he's driven for both brands. Uh, he got his first win with Andretti Autosport when he was with Chevrolet. So, you know, he's got experience winning with both brands. But he's had his greatest success with Honda. Uh, he got the pull for the Indy 500 with Honda. He got... Um, uh, he wanted su- several races with Honda, uh, so I can see why he would be torn about leaving. Plus, yeah, well, he like also said, got he also got bumped from the 500 in a Honda. I mean, let's that, uh, you know, let's that, not say that it's, was, it's all success. Was, so that that was down to a mechanic not using Loctite on uh, the wheel sensor uh, in one of the tires on his car. That wasn't down to Honda. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was it was in a Honda. I mean, there were there were yeah. races he won in a Chevrolet that. that could have have easily been one in a Honda, but the biggest thing is his his personal appearance to Honda contract Canada. is uh, he's the he's the he's the face of Honda in North America. He's their spokesman. You know, he's doing their commercials. It'd be, that, it, it'd be like what, the guy from Verizon that says, "Can you hear me now?" Going to Sprint. Well, you look at all <laughs> the uh, activation that he does, uh, you know, with the series and with Honda and all. It is it is very challenging. Um, but contracts can be broken. We've seen that several times in IndyCar and Formula One and other forms of racing. Um, so it's going to be difficult to see where this is going to shake out. Do I expect Hinch to be there next year? Honestly, I think it's 50-50 because Honda of Canada may say, hey, you better move over to Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan because they're trying to get a third car going. And if Honda of Canada can bring in some money with Hinchcliffe to say, hey, I want you to take this Ray Hall seat, then they may very well do that. Um, so who yeah, it's knows? Kind of, it's kind point? of interesting because Ray Hall had made a statement just a, a, you know, a few days prior to this whole announcement that they are closer than ever to having the funding for a third car. So, so you wonder if, if the gears are already working on this and, and Hinch is just playing the – uh, you know, the good face, yes, happy, you know, while other stuff is going on behind the scenes. Because while everything that is plain and in front of you says Hinch is staying with SPM, there's a lot of rumblings and some, some noted journalists uh, who, who are usually, you know, pretty pretty accurate uh, saying that, yeah, it's not 100% and it's not a comfortable situation. So, Well, with the, with the stuff that Hinch has done with Honda, I can see you, we can all see why, but – I mean, the craziest thing is that Silly Season has just about everybody linked with, you know, this seat at McLaren. I mean, you know, they're still saying, hey, maybe Fernando Alonso might eventually change his mind about um, about going to not doing IndyCar next year. You might see um, Colton Herta. You may see Patricio Award. Marcus Erickson still has his contract with the team. Uh, Oliver Askew, if he wins the Indy Lights title, Renus VK, if he wins the Indy Lights title, he may go in. Um, God, who else? Um, I've heard a wish list with like maybe Stoffel Van Dorn because he's currently doing FE stuff. He's still he got to start with McLaren. 
Uh, imagine him going in there. They still um, like him, don't they? So, well, look at Stains Bolt. Yeah. Well, help. I mean, they dropped him, but they still say they like him as a driver. Yeah. Um, him, yeah, Santino Ferrucci, every name you can think of as a free agent Hell, or, or, or not even a free agent is is kind of being linked to that. And the award one is interesting because he's he's tethered to Red Bull now. Um, so how his his name is popping into the mix when we all assume he's off to uh, to, to Europe, you know, or Europe and Asia to to get be part of the Red Bull Junior program. Well, Suddenly his name's in the mix. Uh, well, who's the lynch, who's the linchpin in this whole whole McLaren thing? Is it Alonso? Yeah, I mean, I, ultimately, I is Hinch. he the linchpin? I think it's Hinch because you know, if Hinch leaves and you have two seats available instead of one, um, that, that that's why I think he's the, ultimately the linchpin. Um, Fernando, I don't think is ultimately the linchpin because he they're going to add a third car for the five hundred, and he may just do the third car for the five hundred. But I think if Fernando's smart. He should take up this challenge of racing in America, and he may say, "Oh, it's you know, it's a lot of races and or whatever." The IndyCar season is all on one continent, and there's five less races to go to. So I would say that he's actually got a much better working environment in North America than he would uh, going around the world. And not only that, there's less time change difference too. Yeah, but he's always so. getting his air miles. You know, he's got to keep up on his air miles card, and you just don't get that from staying in the continental U.S. Yeah, it depends on where you live. Um, yeah, if you if you, if you fly if you, if you fly home yeah you fly home to Spain every race weekend you're still getting your miles. <laughs> I mean Sebastian Bourdais, the only race he doesn't fly to is St. Petersburg because he lives in St. Petersburg, Florida. So yeah, true, not true. I mean Hunter Ray lives in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So do you stalk them? Do what? Do you stalk them? <laughs> yeah, Chris. Chris has his celebrity maps. Oh no! I just, map to the celebrities. I've got, got a little pin board at home with. I've written, I've, I've written about them enough where it's like, oh, I know where they live. Well, you know, you would think Alonzo would figure it out, and and obviously, if you're going to be successful in a series, you know, and what else is he going to do? Just going to be a gentleman racer? It just shows up with his helmet bag here and there. I just don't think you he's say sure. The, he's got the money. It's not about like the money. Like for him, it should be more about, you know, another challenge. To exactly. Overtake. That's, that's exactly. That's the thing I'm, I'm a point I'm trying to make. You would think he would want to get in and, and I mean, and, and run the series and, and uh, every week, I mean, uh, to try to conquer the whole, the indie car program. I mean, instead of just showing up for Indy, yeah, Indy's the big, you know, Indy's the one you're going to get the big bang for. But obviously, uh, just think how much better prepared you are going into Indy with a working relationship with a team that that you've been working with every week. The understanding that you're going to have, the the rapport and and the chemistry that you develop prior to Indy is going to help you ten times over than just showing up with your bag, helmet bag and jumping in the car for two weeks in the month of May. Just as long yeah. as the car's painted the right color. Certainly, yeah. yeah. But like, like you know, to Gray's point, that the list of guys that have won the Indy 500 on a one-off is a very short list. You know, you, you got Dan Weldon, and then then you've got to go back, you know, years and years. Alex your senior. Yep. So that's yeah, you know, but Al had, seven, Al yeah, but Al had yeah, but Al had 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 tremendous experience. You know, in in the series. I mean, you know, he 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 
came in and I mean, he got in a situation where, I mean, he obviously didn't dominate the race and was, you know, circumstances, you know, just came about and put him in a situation where he, there he was at the end with, with a chance to win. Uh, and you could say the same thing about Weldon's situation. He had, you know, several yeah, full, I mean, to, full I, time, full time, you know, rides leading up to his, yeah. be, you yeah. know, kind of being semi unemployed and just having the one off ride. So, but he, you know, he, he knew the ins and outs. But right, right. you know, but, but how many how many guys have have come in just you know as a you know special guest for the month and won the race? You know, Graham than, Hill, you know, well, you Graham know, Hill, that, Jimmy Clark, yeah, and then then that was that was before that was before I was born. So. Really? Really? Yeah. yeah. A different era back then, but yeah. Not not much before, but <laughs> real close. So. Oh, so anyway, so like, like so, <laughs> so Chevrolet to, um, Schmidt Peterson. This this now this begs the question: Does Honda want to pick up another team? If you think about it, they have too the, many teams. When, when they right when they picked up yeah when they picked up Harding, they there was an imbalance there. Um, because now they picked up Harding, they have more teams than Chevrolet. Now, kind of the balance is back. But but then there's another little undercurrent that maybe maybe Trevor Carlin may be talking to Honda. Uh, although I I think that upsets the balance again. Have you heard any of these rumblings or that I have not heard actually. Yeah, it's just like I say, it's 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 hard to hear that over all the McLaren talk. But uh, there are a couple of little rumblings that maybe Trevor Carlin is talking with Honda. But but again, if you if you look at the whole big picture, you know when when Honda picked up uh, Harding, it it upset the balance. And now that Schmidt Peterson is going to Chevrolet, we're pretty much balanced again. So you know on top of that, and we we may have more manufacturers coming in after 2021 with the new rules, hopefully. Yeah, I, I don't see Chevrolet losing another team because they only have what they have Foyt, they have Carpenter, they Carpenter. have Carlin, Penske, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. So you know they kind of actually need to gain a team, which they're going to get with Aero McLaren Racing SP. Um, guys, it's going to take a while to learn how to say. Um, so really. Chevrolet can't afford to lose any more teams. They actually need to gain one more team to be true, you know, truth be told. Yeah, especially if Ray Hall adds a third car, then you got more imbalance there, so. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I mean, they could they could throw Yuko some money and Oh, uh, that's with <laughs> you know, I mean, I I, I, I Paul Yuko's just been I, sitting on the sidelines. Uh, and, and we we'd love to see these guys week after week. I mean, this is here, here's here's the yeah here's the team that bumped McLaren out of the 500, sitting on the sidelines the rest of the year. You know, with two perfectly good Delaras in a garage. Preaching uh, the I'd, choir, I'd love to see somebody help them guys out. Preaching to the choir. I mean, Ricardo's had a lot of um, let's say bad luck over the last uh, few months um, between the Indy 500 situ- uh, race wreck. The Fast Friday wreck. I mean, yeah, you had the one bright spot of, miss, of making the 500, but then, you know, Victor Franzoni has a massive accident for them at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. He wrote off uh, their Cadillac DPI. Um, they missed the race at Road America because of that, the IMSA race there. So, um, you know, Ricardo, you know, for the good that he had that one day in Indianapolis, he's dealt with a lot of stuff that any other team would have said, up oh, the hell with this, I'm out. So. But I mean, full marks to him if he's able to, you know, get some more stuff going. But I, I, I wish we could see him actually get 
you know, some more good things going here. But, I mean, who knows? Yeah, and poor, and poor old Kyle Kaiser, man. I like that dude quite a bit. And he's right now, you know what he's doing? He, he's Trying driving to find money. The, he's driving a two-seater at the, at the Speedway for the for the fan experience, Uber. 500 bucks for a two-seater drive. So. He's not an Uber driver, then. No, not an Uber driver. No, that that costs a bit more than Uber, and you can't set it up on an app on your phone. So, but so uh, IndyCar, we're at Pocono next, which is uh, again the subject of a lot of a lot of talk and rumors that this may be the last visit to Pocono for a time or forever, uh, as they're looking to add Richmond. So uh, they're saying it doesn't look good for Pocono, but at the same time, a final decision has not been made. Uh, the track would love to keep the series there. Um, the, the series is not so sure that they want to add Richmond and keep Pocono. Um, in my mind, it, it's a bit of a no-brainer. You've got you, you, you're talking you're the the New York City metro market. That's the closest you have there, and you're going to have a uh, no. Uh, you know, you don't have the Glen, you don't have Pocono. You've got no presence up in the Northeast, which is one of the biggest markets in the country. So. Um, I mean, that being said, we'll have to see what happens contract-wise uh, with Pocono. I'd love to see it stay. Uh, other folks won't miss it just because of, uh, uh, if you figure, Justin Wilson and Robert Wickens. A lot of folks think the place is cursed or unsafe or, you know, whatever you want to call it, which are air quotes. But I don't feel like there's anything wrong with the facility itself. You know, I, I've read a lot of comments, folks saying, well, they need to do something about the fencing there. I'm like, it's the same fencing you'll find at every track in the country. There's the same fence, the same post <laughs> as Indy, you know. And so, but uh, Chris, who do you like for Pocono? Um, you know, it's hard for me to go against Rossi because he won there last year. Um, so that's why I'm going to pick Rossi for this one. I think he's going to gain more on Newgarden for uh, the championship because uh, I think Newgarden's he might have had his head rattled a little bit, but you know we've had some time off to go recover um, after Mid Ohio, so we'll see. But I'm picking uh, Rossi on this one. All right, so Gray, who do you like for Pocono? Pocono's well, a track gonna, you're quite familiar with. I was going to say Rossi because man, he 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 blew the field away in. Uh, last year there, um, I mean, and, and this kind of sets up them his all-out speed uh, demon kind of race for him. But uh, I don't know. Uh, let's. I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm thinking uh, Will Power. I'm going to go with Will. He, he may uh, may step up and uh, have something for him there. Yeah, Will needs a win this year. He's he seemed to be a little downtrodden and sad lately. Um, it'd be nice to see Will in a winter circle. Uh, now, Seth? Pagano. Pagano, yep. Pagano being based on his indie success there. And Pagano will be will be running the Penske truck leasing uh, livery, which is very reminiscent of the uh, the old Al Unser livery, since we mentioned that, the yellow with the blue pinstripes. Um, and it is, a lot of folks say, oh, gosh, the car isn't sponsored. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, we've seen this. Uh, the Penske truck leasing cars for years on those little sponsorship gap races, but it is kind of fitting because it's uh, Penske truck leasing is is headquartered in Reading, Pennsylvania, which is just you know a little less than an hour away from Pocono, and it is the 50th anniversary of Penske truck leasing. So yeah, I don't think this is a situation where the the funding fell short. I think this is a uh, Penske truck leasing us celebrating themselves a bit. So, but but the car looks awful sharp. Pagano's does. And me, I will take um, I'll take Newgarden. 
Um, see how he does there at Pocono. So now I'll take Hunter Ray then. You'll take Hunter Ray that. then. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna. I was. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, well, I was going to yeah. ask you, Richard. That's a good pick, too, because I tell you what, he's due there uh, again. He's He's been fast the last several trips there and had and just had bad luck uh, reach up and bite him there, so he could be tough there, too. Yeah, now we've got a few minutes left. Now Formula One is on their summer break, but that didn't stop uh, Red Bull from making a driver announcement. Richard, I'll let you tell us what that was. So, as another huge surprise, Pierre Gasly is out at uh, Red Bull, and uh, Alex Albon has been promoted from the Toro Rosso seat. Um, yeah. Gasly just hasn't really been been cutting it uh, this year. You know, he, had, he was very good at Toro Rosso last year in his rookie season, um, or last two years, was it? Last, last year, last two years? I can't remember. I think it was just last year, wasn't it? Um, and, you know, he, he was good there, but... He just didn't make. He has, just hasn't made the step up, unfortunately. And uh, Red Bull are saying that it's to evaluate Albon next year. Uh, you know, not dismissing Gasly completely, um, but I think it's pretty much he's done at Red Bull. Unfortunately, from from his perspective, um, there's rumours maybe Danny Kvyat was going to go back, but I think Kvyat's a known quantity. I think if Albon goes there and struggles considerably, then I think Kvyat will probably step up next season. But uh, it's certainly an opportunity for Alex Albon. He's done well in the first uh, first half of the season. Uh, has he done any better than Gasly did last year? I don't think so. I think they were both pretty similar. Um, it's just the cutthroat nature of, of Formula One, and I think it's not. I don't think this year it's going to make a difference to their championship position. But I think from Christian Horner and Helmut Marko's position, they're looking at. 2020 and beyond, where you know if they can produce a car and Honda can produce an engine that can challenge Mercedes and Ferrari on a little bit more regular basis, you you don't want you one driver scoring all your points. I mean, there's been a number of races this season where Gasly's finished a lap down on Max Verstappen, and that's with starting ahead of him or starting you know close to him or even being ahead of him after the first lap. I think Austria springs to mind, where at one point he was ahead of Verstappen and then Verstappen goes on to win the race. So. Yeah, it just looks horribly bad when you've got one guy winning races and, 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 and the other guy struggling to keep yeah. up. So, yeah. yeah. I think so, it, I mean, unfortunately it's been inevitable, I think, the last, you know, and then when they turned around and said, oh, you know, post-Hungary, they said, oh, you know, we have no, no need to change the driver as of yet. It wasn't, it was an endorsement, but it wasn't a ringing endorsement. You know, it's like when, when a, you know, a, a, a soccer manager has the support of the board of directors. It's like, yeah, he's going to be fired in the next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's Red Bull has that interesting situation where they've got, uh, you know, the fluid between all, all four seats here, and they can kind of swap guys around um, because they're all under the same contract. Uh, you know, so they don't you don't have to deal with this breaking a contract or whatnot. You just you have the contract with Red Bull, and they say, okay, well, guess what? You're in the you're, you're in the little little boy's car now, and and uh, yeah. uh, you know, you Alex, you can you can come sit at the sit at the grown up table. So. Yeah, maybe but, good. Uh, I mean, how will they do? Who knows? Um, I think I think one of the problems that Red Bull are going to have is they have such talent in Max Verstappen. You know, who are they going to find that can at least keep up with him? You know, I think there's maybe only three or four guys out there that can genuinely, um, you know, push him. Um, I mean, Daniel Ricciardo did a pretty good job in the last couple of years, but I think Max has stepped up to another level at times this year, especially in the last four or five races. 
Oh, so certainly. Now, Richard, it's going to be hard to find somebody. do you feel like the cars are equal? Do you feel like uh, the, the guys are getting equal equipment? Oh, yeah. I, I, know, I guess some of the, the, the lesser funded teams, there may not be enough new bits to go around yeah, to both cars. But uh, but on the, on the whole, I think, you know, you look at the big big three or four teams, um, they're definitely they would be equal. And if they're not, teams are smart enough to know what the differences are. You know, if Max had a better car than than um, Gasly had, for example, the the management and the the senior people in the team would know that and could internally say, okay, we know these parts are worth two or three tenths of a second or whatever it is per lap, but Gasly's still half a second down on race pace, and it was purely race pace where he was slow. Um, you know, qualifying, I think he's been able to hold you know hold his own reasonably well. But um, just call it, it just race pace has been half a second to lap off, which I mean the only other team where you're really seeing that this year is unfortunately Williams with um, Robert uh, Kubica. He's just he can't he's struggling. Um, I, don't, I don't think he'll go. Yet he's got the only point for the team. Sorry. He, yeah, Yet he's got the only yeah. point for the team. Yeah. Well. Well, he's got one point. More bad so. luck than judgment, I think. But um, well, more yeah. more bad luck on Alfa Romeo's part. Well, was it bad luck or was it, you know, they put the wrong setting? Yeah, 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 true, true, true. So um, the the other news is, uh, you know, Valtteri Bottas, they're talking about going to make a decision on him. Um, yeah. You, you, see, you see Valtteri in a, in a Mercedes next year? I mean, obviously they're not going to make a switch midseason, not with a guy if he'd made, second in points. But yeah, do you feel uh, like he's maybe? I think if he'd made the call, you know, after five or six races this year, I think he'd say, yeah, he has. But I think as much as Valtteri raised his game for those first four or five races of the season, um, Hamilton has massively, you know, in the same way that uh, we're talking about Max raising his game, Valtteri raised, you know, sorry, Hamilton's raised his game and really put um, Valtteri in his place. And they have Ocon lined up, who, you know, deserves a drive for everything he's done in support sport. And also Ocon and Max hate each other, which is great for the sport. But, you know... You've got to put Ocon in, otherwise, why have him? You know, what has Valtteri done that would make you turn around and go, "We've got to keep this kid"? I, I, I hate to say it because I say I work with Valtteri and he's a great guy and a, a great driver, but just that little, mm, little something's not quite there that Hamilton has and can ring out of that car. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. Speaking of that little something, it's we got a little something, no time left in the show, so. <laughs> Uh, Formula One's off for another few weeks. Uh, like I said, IndyCars will be at Pocono. NASCAR will be at Bristol. Uh, you guys can, everyone can join us next week. We'll talk about those races. I want to thank Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio and Spreaker. I want to thank you, Gray, Seth, Chris, and Richard. I appreciate all you guys. And I want to thank all you guys that listen to us week in and week out. So uh, until next week, good night. Website, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.